Good morning. Oh, we found a phone. Auctioning this off for $100,000. Let's start doing our building project today. Um, I got a phone up here. If, it, if you need it, come and get it after service. If it rings, I'll answer it in some strange voice. So, Some of you are deeply concerned about my concrete tie-down and where it went, as I shared with you last week about the loss of that particular tie-down and how they were pouring concrete this week. The floor is in, and all six of my tie-down pots are in. You say, how is that possible, Shane? Because you could not find it last week. Well, the concrete guy took it home. One of the options I did not consider. Anyway, so we're all good. And things are moving along. <clears throat> don't you, I, I don't know, any of you guys doing like uh, exercise stuff where, where you're tracking them? Anybody have any of these goofy devices that like tell you how you're walking and all that stuff? Isn't it amazing how uh, incredibly encouraging they are? Mine right now, it has a particular moment after I've sat stationary for too long, it says move with an exclamation mark behind it. No, hey, have you thought about doing anything active recently? Probably time to get up and move there, Fatto. Nothing like that at all. Just move. Which is very interesting because I don't know if, if you guys have done this yet or not, but my bride and I, we worked really hard yesterday. We put in a whole bunch of hours shoveling and moving block, and we built this little fence next to her, you know, trying to finish up some of the shop stuff. So we did a lot of activity, and on, on this little thing, it says, wow, you've exceeded your uh, intensive goal for the week, and all you've exceeded all of your physical activity goals for the week. I'm sitting down at the end of that day with a little bit of ibuprofen and some water going, whoo, I'm really tired. And it says, move. <laughs> I thought it was smart enough to keep track of all that stuff. I have been moving all day. I don't know about you, but in, in my life, especially in my spiritual walk, I find from time to time that I need those reminders. I need to be motivated and I need to be encouraged and challenged to be thinking about things that maybe at some point in my life, I, I just, they've either become complacent or they become so normal to me that I just forget about them. And I feel like the text this morning is going to kind of do that to us. And I apologize if it doesn't do that for you. It must have just been for me. But it's an amazing part of this process as we consider the kingdom, and, it was, and we're in chapter four of Mark, and we're talking about these different pictures of the kingdom of God that are coming, and Mark is continuing to uh, follow up with his seed story and the parables that are tying into that, and Jesus is teaching here in Mark chapter four, verse 21, and he begins to talk about a lamp. And the truth is, if he'd left verses 24 and 25 off, I could have had a very easy week. You say to yourself, why is that, Shane? Well, you're going to find out because I'm going to share with you some of the challenges that I faced this week. I titled this sermon this week, actually, totally by accident, Is a Lamp Hidden? Um, I was just asking the question as I was wrestling with this text. It sure seems like he's making a big point of this lamp and, and covering it up and, and what this process is. And so as I was thinking in my heart, is a lamp hidden? I just, I asked that question, not particularly intending to title it, but just to start thinking about the purpose of a lamp. What is Mark uh, trying to communicate to us? Or, or if it's Peter writing this, what is he uh, trying to communicate to us in this text this morning? In light of 
what we looked at last couple of weeks and the idea that some of the mysteries, the, the mystery of Jesus and the gospel is being revealed in Christ, and many have been unable to hear those truths. They've, their ears are stopped up, or they're, they're not able to see that, and, and God is in the midst of, or in the process of revealing these things. Is a lamp hidden? Question for you. Is a lamp hidden? If we light a light, do we cover them up? Well, some of us do, because some of you are nuts with lights, and you guys buy like megawatt things that blind you if you just look at them, right? Those new LEDs, if you if you have those in your house and you don't have something to protect your eyes from, when they come on, you're like, no, you guys don't have that? You guys got to come to my shop. I had an engineer help me get my lights for my shop, and he can get to take a suntan in there right now. It's ridiculous. But really cool because my eyes are getting worse so I can see better in, you know, it's going to be really good for me in the long run. Maybe that's what he was thinking. Anyway. Do you light a lamp or do you turn on a, a light somewhere and cover it up? We don't. It doesn't make sense, right? It's not logical. And so as, as Peter is communicating here through the author of Mark, it appears that what he is trying to communicate is the the. In, intentionality behind the light showing up. And so it caused me to think of a couple of questions. What is the source of the light? What is the purpose of the light? And then we'll look at how that applies to us. So what is the source of this light? Let's first read our text, Mark chapter 4, verse 21. And he said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone hear, if if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So what is the source of light? I love this particular text, and, and I don't normally, I don't often grab a lot of stuff out of Revelation because I just don't, um, but check out Revelation 21, verse 23. I love this about the glory of God. Look at what the text says about what it's going to be like for us in the glory of heaven in the presence of God. Here in the New Jerusalem, chapter 21 of Revelation, verse 23. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. Just take a second and think about that. We need to contemplate. We should ponder that for just a moment. How many of you can look at the sun in its full brilliance? We can't do that. It's too bright. It's too powerful. There's no need for that in the presence of God. Because his glory will radiate, will, pro will be much greater than that of the sun. Uh, one of these days, I want to sh share with you guys um, a video series by um, Louis Giglio. And I, I, I can't remember which one it is. It's indescribable or it's the next one after that. Uh, but he goes through and he actually shows all the suns. That, that we have measured at this point, it's so incredible because our, our sun's pretty insignificant in the uh, universe. 
It barely registers. But I got to tell you, in comparison to us, wow, wow. And yet here uh, we, we see the author of Revelation stating the glory of God is all that's going to be needed to light. And Jesus is the lamp stand. God is light. He is the source. It's his glory that is the source of light. We also see this about Jesus himself. Turn to John chapter 1. You say, Shane, I know the text. Good. We're still going to read it. I don't know about you guys, but I am finding that the more I read the text, the more times I run into something that I just seem to miss. I don't know if it's because in my memory I capture, you know, big ideas and I miss the nuances. I miss some really neat stuff that's hidden in the text. But I've been enjoying reading and in, in, in really addressing uh, these texts and, and trying to get more. So we're going to read a, a larger block this morning of this particular passage, John chapter 1, verse 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. There's so many pieces in that we're not going to look, but the, it's clear that Jesus is the light as well as God is the light. And here we have, in this moment, Mark is asking, do you hide a lamp? Do you, when, if you have a light or you bring a light into the room, do you cover it up? No, this is interactive. Sorry, I got to warn you guys about that. You can help me out here. If it's an easy question, feel free to jump in and answer it. We don't do that, and so it's clear when Jesus shows up that the point of his presence isn't to hide the light, it's to, it's to expose this light, and yet there's a mystery to this, and, and there's a process that, that we don't like. And it's because of the purpose of the light that we really don't like it. Yes, how many of you are excited about the light bringing life? Yes, that's a good woohoo. We like that part, right? I love it in my shop when I walk in and I turn on the lights and I can see amazing things. 
I mean, I can see, well, wow, look, there's a blemish. I should have put worse lights in there. I would have loved the construction a lot more. You, ah, you should see some of my blemishes. I have some phenomenal blemishes in my shop that I know about. Some of you would walk in and go, wow, Shane, this is amazing. I'm really impressed that you built this. And uh, I, I walk in and I'm like, ah, oh, crud, I missed that spot. I did that wrong. It's horrible. We love the results of the light, but the purpose of the light that sometimes we struggle with is that light is often used to expose and to give sight. Many, many times, in, in fact, if we're really honest, um, when John says that the men love, that mankind loves darkness, um, truth is he's talking about us probably. I love the effects of the light in my life. I don't always appreciate what it exposes. John chapter 8, verse 12. Says this. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, I want to apologize that we're going to, we're going to continue in this process. I was going to apologize ahead of time. If I'm meddling, I really do. I am sorry. Uh, it's not my intent. Um, I'm just following where I got drugged through the text. But as we think about this light exposing and, and us not walking in darkness, if we're going to walk like Jesus, if we're following the light that he gives us in the lifestyle, then um, when we do, it's going to expose things in our lives, right? Yes. Yes, it does. Shane, you're right. That, that, that's, that's what's going to happen. And uh, we're going to have an example of that probably at some point in time before you end your day today. Right? Every one of you is going to go get in the car. Every one of you is going to go do something possibly with some other human being. And there's an opportunity for you to be have a problem. It exists. Uh, yeah, you don't even need somebody else to get into trouble, but you add somebody else. Woohoo! Bob's your uncle. Some of you are taking kids home. Heaven help you. We should pray for them this morning as they go home. Some of us have to drive our Mustangs. So, do we see the light of Jesus in our lives? Do we enter into the Word of God with this in mind? Lord, light up my life. You know, I love what David says in Psalm 139. We're not going to read that today, but I'd love for you to write that down in your notes and go and check out what David says in Psalm 139. At one point, he says, Lord, search my heart. Use you, your light, your spirit, your power, and, and search my heart. And reveal what it is that's in my heart that doesn't line up with you. And he says to lead me in, in his way, in God's way. Uh, Psalm 139 verse 105 is another text that talks about the light being in our lives and the value of it. 
not only is this truth going to expose the 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 darkness that we have as we saw in in John 8 and, and in John chapter 1 um, not only does the life the light of Christ expose these things and 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 open up the things that are dark in our lives, but it also gives us sight to follow. It gives us sight to walk and to follow a path. Look at John or Psalm 119, 105. The psalmist says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I wonder sometimes how much we actually consider the word of God as the light to light up our steps our daily activities. You know, when I'm coming to preach, I pray a lot. This terrifies me. I mean, I love it, but it terrifies me because I want to get it right. Um, I feel like there's a great responsibility, which is, again, why I suggest all of you should do this once, at least once in your life sometime. But the, but the reality is, do I use the Word of God as a light in my life, as, as something to light up each step? Not really. Right? I mean, we don't need that. We don't need his direction for all of our decisions, do we? Now, now be really careful how you answer that. I just want to warn you. If you agree with me at this point, you're accountable for it. So just sit there and just look straight at the wall. Just think about it for a while. You don't have to respond. But the reality is, you're correct, it, it, we should see it as being a light, as something that we address in every step. Do you, do you know how many fights it would have resolved in my marriage had I just stopped and asked God, should I say this? And until I heard from him, not said anything. That's great marriage. I should write that down. That's not bad. I'm going to have to. But think about all the things that we do without even thinking about it. We just act in business, at work, at home, and in all of the things that we do in our lives. We've practiced. We do so many things repeatedly and over and over again. We feel pretty confident about those things. I love what Paul says in, in another text. He talks about how he prays always in, in thanksgiving for believers. He's so constantly in prayer for all of these people that he can reference always. In fact, we're told to, to be Give thanks always. There's a concept of the Word of God, of who Jesus is being the light to our paths that would give us sight, that would give us clarity of step and movement, that would be very helpful for us. I do, I do think at times I'm glad that He doesn't tell me what's the next step always. I, I don't know if you've ever been grateful for not knowing something bad was coming and just having to deal with it at the time. But there are times where I would pull a Jonah in a heartbeat if he said, oh, hey, by the way, this is where you're going to go, and this is what I want you to do. <laughs> Love you, Jesus. <laughs> I've got a better plan for my life. Sorry, was that on it? That was honest. This is where I got into trouble. Okay, so God's the light of my path. He's the word. We're told that we're children of God. And unfortunately, the text doesn't leave us alone. Unfortunately, the Word of God then takes us from being His children and gives us some kind of obligation in how we live. 
turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. I know, I didn't like it either. I mean, I love it. But it's difficult sometimes to apply this to my life. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Verses 13 through 16. The text says this, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. As his children, we are called to be salt and light. We've been given a challenge, a, a, a really a task to live like this. Isn't it interesting that in Matthew you see the same analogy applied to the light of us being light as what you see in Mark, uh, what it appears to be for Christ being the light and how we're tied together in this process. I realize that as I think about this, there's times where I... Um, there's certain areas where I feel like I'm better at being the light. Have you guys found that? Don't you feel like, like if you come to church, it's just way easier to be Jesus-ish? Right? I mean, when we, when we hang out here together, even during the week, I, I would challenge you guys to do this. Have a really, really rough time at home or with your bride or at work, and then drive into church and come in and say hi to me. Watch, watch how like the change of, you'll feel a different pressure, right? Whatever Jesus words were coming out of your mouth before you got here, quite possibly will have a different filter. It doesn't change what's going on in your heart, but we may just filter it differently. What, what is that? We have spots where we're better at being light. And, and yet we're called to shine in the world. I uh, took an opportunity. I'm trying to practice what I preach. So, last night, I am standing at the fence with my neighbor. And it's a young family that, that my bride and I are working on building a relationship with. And we're just, it's, things are going super, super well. And I thought, you're challenging everybody to be a light and you're supposed to shine for Jesus. And all you're talking about is pool water salt stuff and you're not doing anything that you could do and okay lord i'm gonna ask him about vbs because they've got two little kids it would be great to come to vbs hey your kid's looking for a place to go to vbs what's that what totally blew me away you know what you know what there was you know what ended up happening out of that? Aren't you guys, are you excited to hear what's going to happen? Absolutely nothing. Yet. His response to that was, uh, they do something on Sunday mornings. They're good. He's my next door neighbor with two little kids. 
Now the, the hard part for me, this is where my gut kind of got kicked in a little bit. He's been my neighbor for three years. Three years. And I think we have one of the best VBS programs going in town. What? what what's VBS? A little convicted about shining like a light. I want to encourage you. I hope this is encouraging. It's supposed to be. Um, turn in Ephesians to chapter 5. We're reminded here that as his children, we're to be light uh, to the world. But here in Ephesians, Mark kind of, or uh, uh, Paul kind of reminds us that we started in darkness, but now we're light. We've gone through the transformation. There's a transformation process that happens in this world as the light exposes these things and causes change in us and around us. So Paul says this in Ephesians 5, starting in verse 1. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Should we just skip verse 4? Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an, an, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Brothers and sisters, it is important for us to understand as we are called to be light, that we started in darkness. Every one of us at different points in our lives, I get that. But we all started from the same place, and it's because of the light of Christ in our lives that we are called to something different. We are called to something more. Isn't it interesting that we see everything from, from the sexual immorality to the amazing walk of love in this text, and then he challenges us uh, to, to, to see the truth and the deceptions that are, that are running around that would try and persuade us away from these things, and then to live that way, to live in such a way that the light that comes from us exposes the darkness that's around us. Not sure if you're aware of this, but um, I, I, was, I followed a little bit of the, the U.S. soccer team. And um, all kinds of drama with that and disappointment in that whole process uh, and, and, you know, just broke my heart to watch some of the 
the things that have come out of that process. But you know, one of the great shining lights in that in that whole story, um, and I can't remember her name exactly right, but she was the left fullback that never made it onto the team. Uh, I think it's Hinkle. I think that's her last name. Um, and just look up uh, left fullback uh, that missed the U.S. soccer team. She's an outspoken Christian woman who refused to participate in some of the activities that they were doing pre-World Cup stuff. She's re- she is stated to be the best left cornerback or left uh, back in the world. Uh, several other countries have actually labeled her as the best in the in the world. She was not on our U.S. soccer team. Any guesses why? You never heard about her. The article that I read, it appeared that she was an incredibly loving and kind gal who was gracious and gentle in her refusal to participate. We started in darkness. But if you are a child of God, then you are an heir to the light. And you and I are called to be children of light to the world. Isn't it interesting how Mark takes care of this? In, that was uh, 21, 22, and 23. Now we're at 24. Verse 24 in Mark chapter 4, he says, And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. I I put it in my notes as listen up. Unstop your ears, stand up, move around, do something to get your your focus here for me. Listen up. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. That's an interesting uh, phrase in the Greek. Uh, It it literally says, um, the measure measured, measured to you. Is, is how it is in the Greek. I'm like, so I, I actually contacted Tyler. I'm like, am I missing this? Is this really what it's saying? Is the measure measured measured to you? Is that that's what it? Yep. He goes, yeah, that's right. And uh, and our English translations have it pretty good. What the measure that you use of this this light, this truth that you have, the measure that you use it in your life will be measured back to you. It kind of sounds like a rewards thing, right? There's a, there's a value to this. Yeah, if you use a good portion of it, then you get a good return on that. We like that in finances, don't we? Not, not, not as big a fan in the spiritual realm stuff. And yet I think we should be. There's something incredible about this idea that, that what we know about Jesus, what we know about the light, how we engage the light, He is going to give a return on that in our relationship with Him. There's something beautiful about that. Now, if you grew up in a really conservative church like me, the first thing that we do when somebody starts talking like this is we put our fingers up and we're like, works, works. That's not what we're talking about. That's not the point in the text, I don't believe, is, is to deal with works. It's to see the truth, who Jesus is as the light. Remember, we're talking about the kingdom of God here in Mark, and he just expressed in this that there's a secret, there's a mystery that's being exposed to the world, that's bringing life to the world. And that is in the person Jesus Christ. And if you are his children, then you have the secret to that kingdom. 
We have access to that truth. We are his children. And as much as we walk in that truth, there's reward to walk with your father. You know, as it, think about um, our children and, and hanging out with, with your kids. It, there was a point at which my children were smaller than me and I was incredibly stronger than them. And they would walk next to me, and, and, and when we were doing things that, that brought fear, I, I remember um, we'd work with cattle. I don't know if any of you have worked with cattle, but every now and then you get a young, a young steer that's pretty uh, full of himself. And if you're a small child, and their head's the same height as your head, standing behind your father seems like a great idea. And at that point in, his, in their lives, it was a good idea. I knew exactly what to do. <laughs> no, I did, we didn't run. It's a joke. But do you know what happens today with my boys? I have four boys. I'm the smallest of them. Seriously. Some, you've met a few of them. But when something goes kind of crazy, we had, uh, we had some uh, kids out in front of our house a while back, loud music playing, doors open on their car. It was 2 in the morning. No idea what they were thinking. I get up, I'm like, oh, I got to go deal with this. I get, to go, I get up to go out there, and one of my boys is already at the door going, are we heading out there? Well, I, yes, we are. <laughs> Absolutely, we're going to go out there and take care of them guys. <laughs> I don't know how many kids are in that car. I have no idea what's going out there. My son's at the door. Are we going out, Dad? Come on, let's go. What changed? Man, they, they've grown up. They, they've become men. There was a point at which in walking with their father had great blessing, had great uh, uh, benefits and rewards. The beauty of this, you guys, you and I will never exceed the strength, the giving, the love, the grace, all of the benefits of our father. We'll never exceed them. We'll never be bigger than him. We'll never be more capable than him. We'll never be able to say at one point in time, I don't benefit from being in his presence. And that's the joy of being his children. I want to show you something as we think about this this morning in Luke chapter 6. I told you that I've been falling in love with reading, the, being in the Word more and, and trying to read more of the context. What I try and do when I pull up verses like this is to read a few verses ahead and a few verses behind whatever verse I'm grabbing. I, I try not to just pull a verse out and, and read it without gathering more of the context. And in the process of doing that, there's times where you, where you run into really cool verses. This particular verse, I was just, I was trying to find this idea of being measured and, and how God's responding to us and, and how he's interacting with us. But look, look at Luke chapter 6, verse 37. We're going to read just 37 and 38 this time. He says this, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. You see, in this beautiful principle of being measured back and how we engage, do you see what we're called to be, called to do? It's much like just following Jesus, right? Yes, the answer is Jesus. Yes, we're good. It is. 
He says, judge not, and you will be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgiven, you'll be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. And then he goes through this descriptive process of measuring something, right? If it pack brown sugar, isn't that a pain? It's not too bad. You got to pound it in good, get all that. Which was, the, what's the one that I struggled with? There's a, there's a material that you have to put like water in. Is it butter? Crisco? Might be Crisco. That thing's hor- That's just a mess. That's like, that's horrible. Try and get an accurate measurement with Crisco. I know some of you are good at this, but I'm not. But as you just look at what he's describing in the text, he says, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now, here's the crazy thing, right? Unless you're putting sugar into something, running over is not typically a good measuring process. Just letting that sink in for a second. Right? If we want precise measurements, you don't have your measuring cups running over. You want it right at the line. Here we have a process of it being pressed down, shaken together, almost as if it's describing this life that we're experiencing in God that we see Jesus experience on the cross and how he lived because it doesn't end with a precise measurement. It ends with it running over. Did you see that? As you think of the measure of Christ being poured into our lives, a good measure will never fit into our cup, no matter how much you pound it down, shake it up, or do any of those things. Christ will always overflow our capacity. That's how we're supposed to live. That's what it looks like if we're children of light, if we're using the measure that we've been given, and that's what a life lived in Christ as his light would look like. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your laps. Anybody feeling pressed down? Maybe a little shaken in this life. And yet at the hand of the Father, somehow it's called a good measure and running over. For those who are his children, we have life. To the measure we take advantage of it, to the measure that we live in that life, Mark says that we're going to reap that same measure in reward. To those who have, more will be given. But to those who do not have, even what they have will be taken. What does that mean? Imagine in the context of life. How many people have you run into in this, in your sphere of influence, who believe that they have an amazing, are doing everything they can to live an amazing, fulfilled life? Every one of them, probably, right? Because that's kind of what we do. <laughs> Don't I mean we do? I I want my life to be meaningful. I I want to I want to have every aspect of it valued and important. It, it's not that it's a wrong thing. But if the work that we pour in is not into, if the effort that we make is not into the life that we're given in Christ, if, it's, if we're just doing our own thing, if we're not following Jesus, then even that life that we think we have is not. It, it, it will be lost as well. It's kind of a hard truth. 
is a lamp hidden? Is your lamp hidden? Could you ask your neighbor about VBS after living next to him three years and have him say, what's that? Something we should think about. It's something we should genuinely consider. What a privilege we have to be children of light. Where is yours located? I love the fact that he gives us a couple options. Under a basket, under our bed, or on a light, or on a stand. As we pray and close this morning, I want to really challenge each and every one of us to consider that question. Where is your lamp at? Where's your light at today? Is it covered up by the things of this world? Is it covered up by whatever would cause us to live in fear of letting it shine? Could cost us a chance at the World Cup to live for Jesus. Probably not, not maybe any one of us, but the costs are real. The reality is for us to live as light in this culture can be costly. but we're called to be children of light. So where's your light located? Got it stuck away good underneath your bed? Do we keep it hidden well so that only when necessary we have to bring it out? Only when it's safe? Does the way we live overflow into the community around us? Now, I will tell you, we have a reputation of being judgmental and hateful people. And the truth is, you guys, we've kind of earned it from time to time. Because when we do this wrong, we beat people over the head with the Bible. Jesus only did that with religious leaders. He seemed to be able to love people with truth. And that should be who we are. How do you do that? Ask him. Ask him. Ask him how to say something to your neighbor. Ask him how to engage in a situation that is difficult. That's my prayer for you and for me this morning. So would you join me? And uh, if it is your desire to do that, then go ahead and and join with me. Um, You can intellectually acknowledge that. If you don't want to, just plug your ears and hum. You can just hum real quietly in your seat. Father, thank you. I thank you for this body. I thank you for this family. Thank you for the privilege that they allow me to just be me. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that your word does not allow me to just be me. but that it challenges and convicts and it calls me out because I don't want to be just what I have in me. I don't want to, I don't want to end with the best that I can do, Lord. I, I want to be the light that you have called me to be. 
not only from this place, this, this pulpit, Lord, but from my backyard fence, from the driver's seat of my car. Father, as we consider what it means to be your light, I pray that you would convict our hearts, that you would reveal to each one of us where our lights are hidden this morning. And Lord, if it's on a stand, God, I pray that you would convict our hearts if we're using it as a battering ram. Whatever it is that we're doing, Lord, I pray that you would draw direction and be the light to our steps, our path. That, God, we would live in love and truth and grace as our Lord Savior, Jesus Christ, modeled for us on this earth. There's times where I feel so distant from that because I read it in a book and it's hard for me to to make the connection between how he dealt with things, Lord Jesus, how you dealt with things in your culture and how I'm supposed to do it here. Father, would you show me what it is to walk like Jesus? Would you give me the words to speak so that my life would shine as the light that we're called to be? May you move in this church Would you transform our hearts that we would shine like Jesus?